Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. Today, we're going to talk all about a sweet little pity called Betsy. But before we talk about her, I'm going to introduce you to her beautiful guardian, who I've had the great privilege of working with in a couple different capacities, but as of late, inside of Reactive Redefine. So Tommy, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? I would love to. Um, so my name is Tommy. I live in New Mexico with my husband and I have three grown children and four amazing dogs. Um, Story Corgi is you've met Story. You've done yeah. our um, the care course, cooperative care course with her. She was our first with on this family, <laughs> this, this family generation dog, of this dogs. Generation. Yeah. <laughs> Right. You just said that on a podcast, this generation of dogs. Uh, um, so she's 11. I think she's 11. And then I have Max Corgi. He is my little soul dog. He's nine. Um, Howie is a little Grinch. <laughs> He's a Grinch dog. He looks like a little terrier. He kind of looks thing. like Toto a little bit too. Kind he of looks like a Dr. Vibes. Seuss character. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Seuss character. Um, Howie is, I don't know, 12 or 13. He was an adult when we adopted him. And then we have Betsy. My love, Betsy. Um, she is, uh, she's seven now, a little, um, black and white. She's actually, when I did her DNA, she's a staffy boxer mix. She's a perfect combination of all of the yes. good that we wanted. Blocky She's next. got the little boxer lips that stick out. Oh my God. She's so <laughs> yeah. cute. She is so cute. Okay. So before we talk more about Bessie, because it's very relevant, do you want to tell the listeners, obviously you have a, a full-time career soon you will retire from, and you also have a second career. Do you want to just tell everybody a little bit about that? Because I think that those <laughs> details are relevant. I think so too. Um, yes. So my main career is actually like my third career in life. Um, I am a teacher. I teach elementary school, taught grades kindergarten through third grade uh, in my 18th year. And I'm going to do one more year already planned on retiring. So I, um, that's my main thing. I'm on summer break right now, which I'm so happy about. <laughs> and, and, um, my other side career, which will eventually be my full-time career after I retire is dog training. So yeah, I became certified through Victoria Stilwell's Academy. Um, love her so much, learned so much and, um, have just been doing that and just really so thankful for that and the people I've met through being a not only a dog trainer but the guardian of a reactive dog right 
right? Okay. And just as a side to this, also, you do a lot of work supporting dogs in and out of the shelter system in your area, right? Right. There is a rescue that I've been um, volunteering with for about seven years in all kinds of capacities, but mostly working with dogs, um, doing training with them, being their adoption advocate, taking them to events, helping them to transition into their home, working with their, if they're in a foster home, working with their fosters or working with their new adoptive people. So yeah, that is one of, that's another thing that really inspired me to take a training route in my life too. Yeah. That's where I got my work was in the shelter system, right? Like these dogs need help. How do I learn how to do this? Right? Like how do I help them? And it's like, let's be honest. A lot of the dogs that come out of the, like the rescue that you work with, they present a lot of the same behaviors that you're working on with Betsy. Right. Um, I, the rescue I work with is a chained dog rescue. So chaining is still a problem in New Mexico, even though there's ordinances in many of the counties against it. Enforcing that is really, really tough. And we end up with dogs that some of them have been chained like their whole life, 10 years, 13 years. It's just crazy. And they come with, you know, stuff. They've, most of them are reactive because they've been on a chain and they had to defend themselves. You know, they have nowhere to go if they're on a chain. So they develop reactivity to people, dogs, mail trucks, all the things, all the things, postal service. Yeah. The UPS guy kinds of reactivity. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about little Miss Betsy in particular. Okay. So she needs the spotlight because she deserves it. Okay. So you are obviously a a dog trainer, right? So you have a lot of training experience. You deal with a lot of reactivity and Betsy is not a baby, right? She's an adult. She's been with you for a Mm -hmm. while. So do you want to just kind of like tell everybody just a little bit of maybe like the fast forward version of her life until maybe like the last six months, right? Because she had a lot of skills. It's not like you had done no training. It's just, you're kind of at a point where like, "Mm, we could probably do more though. Well, you know, she's kind of like my experiment dog. It's almost like she's the firstborn, you know, (laughs) Um, where when we first got her, so she, let me back up a little bit. Um, So I had the three dogs and I was volunteering with the rescue and another friend runs a rescue also. And she would always post dogs from um, this rural shelter that tends to be high kill. She'd always post dogs and I would scroll and scroll and scroll past all these dogs on Facebook every day. And then I was scrolling one day and I saw this little black and white pity puppy with the saddest face. And she was code red, which means she had 24 hours before she was going to be euthanized. Um, and I don't know why, but I took that picture and I showed it to my husband. I'm like, can we foster this puppy? He's like, yeah, you know, whatever you want to do. He's so, he's so cool. Um, and so I messaged my friend and I said, you know, send me the application. I'll foster this puppy. So this was back in 2016. And so we she came in on transport. We brought her in. She was just a lively little thing. Had her, you know, separated from my dogs for a few days. 
um, then integrated her in. She was this, literally the size of the corgis. She was so little, three months old. Um, and she, you know, story corgi was like, oh, great. You know, she just like ignored her, right? <laughs> Howie really liked her and Max loved her. They played and they ran and they wrestled and it was just the most beautiful thing. Um, so we fostered her, had absolutely no applications on her through this rescue. I was promoting her. The rescue was promoting her. I made videos of her and nothing, not a single application. So um, we ended up adopting her. You know, my husband's like, let's just adopt her. So, okay. So not long after that. So I was not a trainer at this point. I've had experience with dogs my whole entire life. Um, and, you know, took them, took dogs to training from like as a teenager, went to a place like the place to go. And it's really aversive training. Never really comfortable with it. One of my dogs and I dropped out of it because it just didn't feel right for her. But I've been around dogs my whole entire life. And my other dogs all went to, you know, training, positive reinforcement training. Um, so I kind of had the idea that I would be able to bring this puppy in with her and get her adopted. Right. Well, OK, so the adoption didn't work other than we adopted her. And um, soon after we adopted her stuff started happening when she was about six, seven, eight months old, right? And becoming a teenager. And um, one time the corgis got into a little scuffle outside, all the dogs were outside and, you know, they did a little scuffle. And Betsy, who is now about twice the size of the corgis, went into like the middle of the scuffle, grabbed Max and just like threw him aside. And I was like, what? <laughs> Right? Like, excuse me, I don't think that this is good or normal. Like, what is happening here? I'm like, what? And um, called the the girl from the rescue, and she's like, she talked with the behaviorist that she worked with, and he's like, oh, no, you know, she was probably just rescuing him from the fight. And I'm like, really? Okay. But, you know, I watched them. I knew about, you know, cortisol levels and how, you know, they need to be separated for a while. Okay. So we did that. And then everybody was fine for a little bit, probably a month. And then again, one time Max and Betsy, I was out with them outside before we were getting ready to go, before I was getting ready to go to work. And Betsy was bigger, kind of pushed Max a little bit. He went to correct her and she just like grabbed him and they were going at it. And I'm like, Oh, shit. <laughs> so I literally, she was, she was still small enough that I could, I grabbed her by the scruff. I grabbed him by the scruff and I lifted up both dogs literally to separate them, you know, had that rush of adrenaline. Oh my God. Um, and then, you know, put them both in crates and I was just like, oh my gosh, Called the rescue girl again. She's like, let me have the behaviorist come in. Okay, totally cool because I want this to work. And this was beyond my experience of what I had had, you know, fighting dogs. Right. We'd have like five or six dogs in my house at, when I grew up. Nobody ever fought. So this was this was new to me. So this behaviorist comes in and um, 
he was really full of himself. And the short version is I fired him. <laughs> I knew not for what you, he was not helpful. I knew what he was doing was was not going to work for us. So I kind of so I fired him, and I really kind of went through a grieving period of remorseful, like, oh my gosh, I adopted this dog. She's not even a year old yet. She's reacting to my other, well, actually only to Max. She only reacted to Max at that point. And um, fast forward and her reactivity, which eventually ended up with each dog, um, inspired me to, I needed to do something about it. And so I, you know, was doing some um, stuff through Grisha Stewart's Academy. Somehow I found her and was working with um, her technique of behavior adjustment technique. And that was helping. I was like, okay, this was helping. And then when the pandemic hit and I was working from home where everybody was home, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the time. So I signed up for um, dog training school and just became through that process, the relationship that Betsy and I developed through that is just, it's just indestructible. We have this indestructible relationship of, I just love her. Um, prior to me signing up, I do need to back up a little bit. Prior to me signing up for that, there was a point, there was a, we, had a dog fight early in the morning when I was tired and I didn't close a crate and Max got out and Betsy was out and she went for him and my husband had to help me separate them. Um, super scary. I thought Max was going to die. It was just a, yeah, that, that scary. And, yeah. and I called my vet and I said, it's time. I can't. And she knew what I was, what I was working with. Um, and I said, I need to put this dog down. I can't do this anymore because I woke up every morning feeling like, oh my God, I have to deal with this dog. Oh my God, I have to take her out on walks. Oh my, just, it was so, it was literally the first thing I thought about it every morning when I got up. Um, So called my vet, made the appointment, had tears from all the kids. And I was just like, you know, I'm sorry. Had to like be the grown up here. And then my husband called me at work and said, nope, you're not doing it. I was like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. So I do all the work and you get to, you get to make this decision. But I'm so glad he did because that really, that was in fall of 2019. So a few months later when the pandemic hit, that's when I started, um, with Victoria Stillwell's Academy and oh my gosh, it just changed my relationship with her, changed my relationship with all my dogs. Just really and the trajectory really. of your life, right? Like it did. It totally changed my life completely. And I had looked at training before that because I've got some good friends that are trainers here and um you know really loved there. They'd been through Karen Pryor Academy. And I just, I loved the way that they worked and they taught me so much when I went to their classes and stuff. Cause I did nose work with Betsy and all kinds of things. And, um, I just, I, it did. Once I made that decision, it was like, boom, I 
knew I was on a new path in life and just it was really exciting. So you had a lot of good function, right? In your day to day, right? Like you all had kind of accepted the like crate and rotating, keeping people, yeah. the dogs separate and like, that's good. But Betsy was also reactive in other ways outside of just being reactive to dogs in your household, right? Well, it didn't start that way. She would be like, I, when I would take her to training classes, she with other dogs, she was, um, had another pity dog that was like her best friend and we would go for walks and she was great. But then she actually ended up, um, poor both cranial cruciate ligaments, like one, one week. And then I had an appointment for the vet. And as she came out of her crate one day, I went, she just tore the other one. So she ended up having to have, um, the bilateral TPLO did both both at the same time. This was in July, 2017, I think, um, or 2018. I don't remember. And through when I was rehabbing her and having to walk her on a sling, she had some really bad experiences with small dogs running up to her and, it was just awful. So that really um, it changed her reactivity to other dogs too. Before it was really just Max. Then it was Story. Then it was Howie because she and Howie had been best friends until they weren't. Um, but then these other dogs really changed things, you know, for her in the whole world. So when she was done, um, I was you know, able to walk her without, plus she became crazy dog, (laughs) not being able to have regular walks, you know, as I was rehabbing her, it was like a whole new, it was just crazy how she was reacted to everything. Every dog she saw a hundred yards away, it was like miserable. That was, you know, when part of the time when I would wake up and go, I have to walk this dog, you know, oh and God, I, right. and I wasn't in love with her at that point either. You know, I mean, I was responsible for her. Right. You were giving and, her and all the care all... she needed, but like, you didn't have that like soul connection quite yet. Hadn't gotten there. right. Yeah. And, um, so that was, you know, before I wanted to have, before the really bad attack with Max, when I was ready to euthanize her, all of that happened before, but that point in time and my husband saying, nope, you know, she's, you know, she, you're not doing that. You know, you, you got into this, you got to figure it out. <laughs> okay. So let's fast forward to where you were at with her and your training journey before you joined Reactive Redefined. Okay. So we had had big improvement, um, you know, going on walks we decreased that uh, threshold distance to, you know, we could be within 25 feet of a dog um, or maybe 25 yards. It's a little different, 25 yards of a dog. And, you know, just through, I was working with the, you know, bat technique on a long line and really letting her do lots of sniffing and making decisions and things like that. So we really had a lot of improvement. My relationship with her was so much stronger, but I, I knew we could be better. 
Okay. Um, so we still like passing a dog on the other side of the street was, I mean, I tried to avoid that at all costs. And, um, so when I joined, I had worked with you in some other capacities, right. And, um, really wanted to do reactive redefined and set the time aside to, you know, knowing exactly when I wanted to do it. So it would coincide with part of my summer and I could really dedicate time to it. And, um, it was, it's been just a huge, a huge difference, not just in her behavior, but making our relationship even that much stronger you know, because because oh now you both are ride or die. You actually love her, right? Like, oh gosh. And I did, you know, even before I started the reactive redefined with you, you know, she is just, she's my absolute love and she can't play with other dogs. So, you know, we're her people, we're her dogs, we're, we're her everything. She can be around my other dogs, you know, as long as there's a barrier between them, they're absolutely fine. Right. You know, it's Max can live next to her kennel. She has a big four by six kennel um, that when she was recovering from the TPLO surgery that she had to do, um, got the big kennel for her. And Max can lay right next to her. She can lay right next to his crate. You know, um, we have a system, a crate and rotate, you know, system. But um, it the reactive redefined going through this course has just, it's given me the, the boost that I really needed to do with my dog, what I do, what I teach people to do with their dogs. Because it's like conceptually, you know, you know, all of the like facets of the training, but that doesn't, mean that you do it every day with her, right? Like you had done training, you've been doing that, but there were still levels of like the walks that weren't, well, walks and hikes, right? She loves to hike and it just Mm -hmm. wasn't as functional as you wanted it to be, right? Yeah. So, okay. So before you join Reactive Redefined, she had skills. It's not that she didn't have skills, but like being out and being around a trigger and like responding to cues and taking food, that's not something she was super strong at. Is that accurate? It totally depended on the setting. Um, so like if we were at the park where we had more space to move, you know, much better response from her, you know, much if I can scatter treats in the grass and, you know, she much better there than in the neighborhood when, first of all, if there's dogs she has a previous history with of reacting to. Those are dogs that are like still her nemesis. I mean, she'll still react to those types of dogs, but um, just, you know, neighborhood walks were a disaster because, you know, I, she was just different. You know, she had fewer opportunities. I don't know to sniff. I was really to give her time to sniff, but you know, you're in a neighborhood and it just doesn't work as well. Right. So I had, I've really felt that I had on my own taken her as far as I could take her, you know, just as when I coach my 
people and their dogs, you know, having uh, those other set of eyes to watch and to say, hey, let's try this. Hey, let's do this. And having that accountability where you have to do it is so valuable. It's it just made such a difference in um, everything with our training. Yeah. And, you know, it was so beautiful, right? Just to accent everything you had built with her already, right? It's like, okay, cool. We have all these amazing things going on. What can we tweak and add into these things so we can get just a little bit more fluency, right? And, you know, it's like dogs who are leash reactive are one thing, but then we have a dog who's leash reactive who you know is capable of aggressing under the right conditions. It just adds Mm -hmm. another layer, doesn't it, right? That like, they're, the stakes are just higher. The stakes are just higher. And, you know, you had already muzzle conditioned her. She was already comfortable in a muzzle. So it's not that you had, you, you had the safety net in place, but it's also like, okay, but what else can we do here? And wow, did you do so much over the last couple of weeks? So I wanted to talk about like some of the, the, the skills and the setups that I had you work on that you're starting to see really build. Okay. So she was, um, she, she had an existing concept of walking at your side on cue, but it's not something you asked for or worked on a lot. Is that accurate? Um, she, yeah, she had the cue mostly on the left side, walking on the right side has always been harder. Um, but so walking on the left, yeah, you know, she, could do. Yeah, she can do that. Um, but what was hard was if we saw a trigger, right? It was really just like if she, once she engaged, so like dogs behind windows, we got past that. She no longer really reacts to dogs behind windows, dogs behind fences. You know, if it is a solid fence, she doesn't react anymore. But if it's, you know, she has visual of the dog, you know, that was different. But if we were walking and another dog, like we're walking on the street, right? We're on one side and another dog is over on the other side of the street walking towards us. It is like, you know. Yeah, not a strong suit. (laughs) I would, no. And it became pure management, you know, trying to, is there a street I can like, you know, duck into or a driveway or just go the opposite way. And, um, so it was, she could walk. I mean, yeah, she had a beautiful, you know, walking at my side until she saw a trigger. Right. Right. And that's something that you worked on intensively, right? So I coach you, right. And this is something that you already knew how to do because you do it with your clients, but we did a lot of setups, Right. With, mm-hmm. um, you have like some stuffed animal dogs that we were able to utilize because you utilize those for your clients. But then we also utilized Howie. Right. And we utilized yeah. like, you know, some other things that we could control. So she could literally just get more practice, more repetition, more reinforcement for doing the behavior that we wanted her to do, which is, you know, stay at your side, eat cookies, stay under threshold as we walked past a dog. Do you want to kind of speak right. to that? Because I know it's like, it's one of those that like conceptually, you know, that more repetition helps, but then you actually do the repetition and you see it build. And it's like, damn, mm-hmm. okay, this is working. Well, yeah, exactly. And you end up, I have to think of it 
as like going back to kindergarten and we went to working in the backyard. You know, first I just worked with her in the backyard, you know, off leash, helping her work on both my left side and my right side, you know, and just playing with her in the backyard in that way. And um, so to can kind of condition her to do some work in the backyard, you know, but it's fun. Then I introduced little Howie in the backyard, um, giving him a licking mat behind an X pen, you know, so for safety, had her on leash and worked with him as the trigger, you know, and just giving her distance and then trying to close that distance and doing lots of reinforcement and getting her used to walking past a stationary dog, you know, and Howie is a dog that she used to be best friends with until she wasn't, you know, so he, you know, doesn't care because he's got his licky mat, but it was a great setup to do, to be able to video that and watch that and be able to talk with you about that. And then we moved it to the driveway, you know, in the front yard. Then we moved it out into the street and then we moved it to my husband handling Howie and Howie moving and me moving, you know, on the other side of the street and the way that it just built. And, you know, I think of it as just building that muscle memory for both her, right. And myself. And, um, you know, it just started working out so lovely. And then to be able to, to video it and watch and pick up the things that I needed to fix, you know, and to talk with you, because it's just so different, you know, when you're the one with the leash and I have to say it's different, so different when I'm handling my own dog versus a client dog. Yeah. And I feel a lot of it is, you know, that history that you have with that dog and those experiences you have when they have reacted and um, that I don't have that feeling when I handle, you know, a client's dog. Yeah. Right. And So everything's just kind of smooth with the client's dog. But what I built with my own dog working with you has just been amazing. It's I just, I'm so happy. I always, so everyone, I always comment on Betsy's like swagger because obviously some of it is from her fake knees, but she's like, she's, you you both are just so in sync, right? Like this is this beautiful rhythm. We're like, Hey Betsy, I'd like you to do this. And she's like, yeah, cool. I can do that. You know what I mean? And I think that so much of that was built by just doing that repetition, right? And I think too, it was one of those, like when you started, you were still teaching, right? It's not like you had like an abundance of time. So it was like, okay. hey, do this setup in the backyard with Howie, just get that done and then try like five minutes out front, right? So like we were able yeah. to accomplish a lot and it wasn't a huge time commitment either. You had to do the work, but it wasn't like it took hours every day. Oh, no, not at all. And it was really... um just, you know, planning and, you know, still getting her out, like, you know, doing my usual thing that I do with the dogs during the school year, which is, you know, they get out less, they get a lot of play, but they get out and about less than they do, you know, during the summer. But, you know, I had to having that accountability of you are going to be looking at those videos on Every single week, every single week, every single week, like at the same time, every week, (laughs) you're so dependable. 
having that was really helpful. Um, as it is for any of us, when we have some sort of deadline, right, we tend to plan and get it done. And I was able to, you know, do my setups and make sure I was videotaping and I would just like let the tape go, you know, the video for however long. And it, it's so effective. None of us really like to watch ourselves. We kind of have to get over that watching ourselves thing. But when you do and you're like, Oh yeah, I should have, you know, put, should have shortened up the leash there and, you know, had her go the other way with me. And, um, you know, it, the, all the setups that I did with her, I was able to get it done while, you know, being at work from seven to six every day. And, um, you know, end of year at school is just, is like so much work, but you know, this was so important to me too. Working with you was so valuable to me um, that I just made it happen. You did you know? the damn thing. You did the damn and it, thing. And it, like you said, it wasn't like hours. It was like, okay, I'm going to spend the next, you know, it a 30 minute, you know, go set up the camera, you know, get my husband, get the dogs harnessed up, you know, put one dog out, you know, it just... And then, you know, film for 10 or 15 minutes and then I was done, you know. And, you know, of course, I was still working with her outside of that filming time, too. But the filming part is so incredibly valuable um, to be able to see yourself and see like the little tweaks that you're like, oh, you know, why didn't I? I. Was and I, I remember like... one of those tweaks, right? I remember one of those tweaks. And I think that this so like is so all encompassing of, of what you mean about like the history that you and Betsy have together and how that makes it different than if you just take the leash of a dog that you don't have that same history with, right? Is that, you know, something that you have a lot of experience with and I do too with the bullies, the bully breeds is that they are leash tension usually doesn't help them, right? It usually hinders right. them. And, and we have to use leash tension, right? We can't avoid it. But something we really talked about, right? And I really empowered you in is give prep yourself, right? So make it so that if she lunged, you could prevent her from getting to the thing, but try to pull that off without leash tension first, right? And it right. was one of those that you were like, Yeah. Yeah. And you were doing sometimes, right. It's just one of those that I pointed out, like, I want you to make a conscious effort to like, yes, sometimes you have to choke up on the leash, but when you have what, like you've given her one foot of the leash, push your hand towards her. So there's not leash tension there. And then it made it easier for her to be like, oh my God, right. I'm supposed to check in with you. Okay, cool. We're doing this thing together instead of like, you know, her history of being at the end of the leash and staying there. Right. And being like, okay, I'm up. I'm at the end of the leash. Well, yeah, and for sure. And part of it, I do remember like a specific time when you and I were talking because I was filming out in my front yard, the fake dogs, um, Bruce, and I have the other one. Oh, I was, I have the other one named too. I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, I named my fake dogs. Um, (laughs) but anyway, so I'm working, I guess just with Bruce, he's like the big lab fake dog and a real dog like shows up across the street. Right. And I just, 
you know, with Betsy, it's like, get the handle on the harness and just get her the hell out of there. Come on, Betsy, come on, let's go. Try to drag her up the um, driveway because she's so over threshold by then. Um, but what we worked on was, you know, just actually rather than just, you know, dragging her out of there and that situation, there was like this dog just like came out of nowhere. It felt like, um, but yeah, you know, just shorten up the leash, you know, but relaxing the leash, you know, just like I would tell a handler, just relax and actually, you know, putting food like right in front of her face <laughs> that actually works sometimes, not a hundred percent of the time, but it, it, you know, instead of dragging her by the handle of her harness um, and managing it, we've really been working on, you know, um, just trying to, take her out of there in a different way. You know, if I can get her to follow food or if I can get her to just, you know, kissy noises and Betsy, Betsy, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, you know, being, trying to be more exciting than the dog across the street. And your directional cues, which you already were really proficient at, right? Your directional cues were already really good. I just feel like I was like, I kind of gave you like a play-by-play of like, cool. So give her less leash, but move your hand towards her. So it's not right. pulling and then gently start using your shoulders and inviting her to come with you. And it's like putting all of those things in combination made it so that one, she was at the, the end of the leash less, you didn't have to drag her as much. And it was just a little bit more of a cooperative way to get to the same outcome. Right. Where, right. Like we got her to a safe distance away from the dog, but this time, instead of you having to do all of the work, she was actively participating in what was happening. Right. Yeah. And something that has been, you know, super effective that you got me working on was having her switch sides and just really, really engaging with her. You know, when I know there's a trigger whether it's a head or, you know, we're, we still haven't successfully passed somebody on the street, which, you know, we're working on. Um, but really just building those skills of having her work on the right side as well as the left side. And it's just a smooth transition, you know, working on and the left and then it. on the right. She likes it. If you're like, hey, she Betsy, does like it. I'd like you to be here and play this game with me. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, let's do that, right? Like, I can get into that. And you know, it's one of those that like, we all favor a side, right? We all we all favor a side when we're teaching our dogs to walk at our side. But something we really talked about and discussed is that like, imagine the functionality if she could do it proficiently on both sides, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, it was one of those that like, you already had the one side. So all we had to do is just practice that kind of balance the reinforcement history a little bit, balance those scales. So she was getting more on the right. And you know, it's like, that's the nice thing about like, the boxers and like the bullies is that like they want to move they want to glad they want to go with you you know what I mean she's like oh we're walking okay we're moving and you were able just to keep her engaged and in turn really just improve her response time to that right just so that you have a little bit yeah. more functionality with it right um, you know, yeah and it's like those are things and I remember too we were talking a lot about 
obviously when she's out in the world, you use the muzzle, right? Because unfortunately we can't trust everybody to like keep their shit together with their dogs and we know what could potentially happen. So you use the muzzle a lot, but something I encourage you to do, right. Is build just a little bit more play and fun into some of like, you know, going back to the basic stuff you were doing in the backyard, right? Like, okay, yes, she will work for food. That's great. But can we get like some play in there? Will she work for some of the toys? And that really started to work nicely. She's like, oh yeah play break. Okay. And I think that that led to that level of like attention and focus and connection you were getting from her when we were translating in other locations. Right. Yeah. So I've been able to work with her, you know, like at the park, taking a toy with me, you know, I've got the puzzle in case I feel I need it, but taking a toy and she was kind of like, what? We're playing with a toy at the park. What are we doing? (laughs) But no, Um, but that has helped. And then also working on stationing at the park, you know, I take the blanket and I put the blanket down and we, you know, work on looking at the world, you know, from a blanket. And we started doing that in the, I have video for you for this week where we're doing it at the end of the driveway instead of at the top of the driveway, we're doing it at the end of the driveway. And even when she saw a coyote at the end of the street, you know, I was able to take her back to her blanket and, you know, have her lay down and just, we just watch and I click and treat occasionally and toss her a treat. She would look and um, it's just, it's nice that she is becoming more relaxed. I'm becoming more relaxed with my own dog. Yeah. You know, it just feels so different with your own dog when you have that really serious reactive history with them, you know, yeah. which is, it puts me, helps me be empathetic with my clients, you know, when they've had bad experiences, you know, I get it. I totally understand how they're feeling, but you know, and so it's, it's nice for me to go through this journey and feel more confident, you know, with my own dog. And I had a level of confidence before, but there was always, we had all these barriers, right? It's like, Oh, we're not going to do that because, you know, I'm not going to take her for a hike because there's going to be other dogs or we're not going to go here because there's going to be other dogs. So that is, you know, we're chipping away at that, which is nice. Right. Just to see those like little slivers of opportunity of like, you know what? Okay. I am going to take her out for a hike today on a trail where we can create space and it's not going to be super busy. And she's had a lot of amazing wins in that context. Yeah. Yeah. She's just getting so much better. You know, we've decreased that threshold distance um, when we see other dogs. And, you know, the other day I was working with her at the park and we we're working on stationing. And there was this guy, uh, this couple with two dogs. And this guy takes his dog off leash, right, at the park like at the other end of the park and I was just like hey you know my dog you know your dog cannot approach my dog and he's like what I was like your dog cannot approach my dog oh okay so he still didn't leash his dog but he did create distance I created some more distance by moving Betsy's blanket and she just watched the dogs she laid on her blankie 
And just watch the dogs. And you were able to advocate for her and not be like, cool, we need to like run away and go now. Right. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And just having that you confidence. Do. You have that, that runaway mentality, you know, you, you have those situations that you're like, nope, not today. Um, which sometimes is fine. You know, sometimes of it's just it better is. to yeah. go home and go play in the backyard and, you know, decompress, you know, and just have, you know, try to keep things positive instead of pushing something when you know. And I feel like you had that, that you had that already. You were meeting her mm-hmm. needs. You were doing decompression walks. Mm-hmm. You were avoiding triggers. Like all of those things were in place. And because all of those things were in place, it was easy for me to be like, okay, <laughs> right? Like get her places, practice these skills where there's more going on. Stop always avoiding because you don't need to. Right. Right. And I feel right. like sometimes we just need someone to be like, Time. Exactly. Be closer to trying. Right. You need to. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think every everybody needs a coach. I mean, even in teaching, you know, I've been teaching 18 years and we still have an instructional coach and I still say, hey, you know, can you come in and, you know, team teach with me or watch this or, you know, when my principal observes, you know, she always has something really positive to say and then something to work on too. You know, I mean, that's how we grow, you know, working with others and having another set of eyes is just so beneficial. And then plus your feedback is just like always. So number one, you're always super positive. You're number one cheerleader. Yes, I am. are. And, you know, it's always like, oh, this was great. And then I want you to work on this, which is exactly, exactly the kind of feedback I always have tried to give my students, right? Oh, love how you read this. Okay. But when you're reading this, try it this way, you know, or when you're doing this math problem, hmm, you know, what, how could you have done that differently? You know, and so everybody needs a coach and it's just, it's been such an amazing experience working Uh. with you. Oh my God. It's been such a delight. Okay. And I want to talk just a little bit about the group call, right? Because this was Mm. a smaller group size and we ended up having someone who had to, who couldn't keep joining us. So it ended up being a very small group size, but do you want to just kind of speak? Like, obviously it was, you know, you got to connect with them and talk about Betsy, but I think even just from the broader lens of like seeing me coach normal, Mm -hmm. well, I say normal, (laughs) just normal pet (laughs) guardians who are not like animal professionals, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, the couple with the other dog are just amazing. They are, they do, they put in the work, you know, the videos, because I asked you one time, can I watch their videos? You know, because I really love to see what other people are doing. And I love to listen to you coach other people too. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, everybody, I'm still a baby as far as dog training, you know, I'm super experienced as a teacher, but even as a teacher of kids, you know, there's always something to learn, right? Um, I love to go observe other people, other teachers and this listening to you, um, you know, coach people watching them grow. I mean, I think I made a comment. I could not help, but not make a comment on our last call because the growth that this couple made with their dog was amazing. Extraordinary was... progress. Oh, yeah. And I was just, you know, I'm so happy for them, you know, 
because you coach them and then they do the work and then they find people find out when they do the work they have results and it's just like sometimes I feel like we just need that like shining example of like this is what's possible when you do the work right and like you see it in your day-to-day but then like seeing like I mean it's like they live in a busy suburban area with a dog who's reactive to a lot of things and they just put it in the work and it's going really well. And it's like, right, these are all the stepping stones, right? Like these are the things we build on and that's how we get there. Right. And I think, you know, how lucky for them, right? Like not only did they have me, but they also had you in the the group calls, right? Because you gave them a lot of really awesome insights also, right? Into like, we did a lot of like talking about body language and rewatching videos and seeing what's happening in the moment, right? And like, you know, you gave a, you gave them a lot of really valuable insights too in like body language, right? And just observing like, okay, her tail's going this way, her tail's going that That's way, right? right? <laughs> like, you know, so yeah. it was fun, right? It was fun to see you like, you know, uh, flex your uh, dog savvy and be able to share that with them <laughs> inside the group calls too. Well, the group calls are just so fun. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like you've really become the cheerleader for others. And you watch their video and you're like, yes, yay. (laughs) You're on mute, but you're like cheering in the background, you know. Um, It's just so valuable. Plus, watching other people and see how, you know, how they grow with their dog. You know, that is just always, you know, from a teacher perspective, right? Or a, you know, trainer, coach perspective. It's just so fun to see growth happen, you know? And then plus, it's just so valuable to listen to you coach somebody else because it's like, oh, yeah, I can do that with my dogs, you know, or, you know, with Betsy or Story or, oh, yeah, it's just it's a, such a fun experience. I so look forward to the group calls. My God, they're my favorite. Yeah. I'm, I'm always really sad when they're over. I'm like, I'm going to miss you all. I'm going to miss you all on Thursday nights. Oh my God. Okay. I so know. do you want to share some standout um, wins that you feel like are a cultivation of everything you've worked on in reactive redefined? Um, oh my gosh. Well, I've had so many wins. Um, you know, documenting it. So being able just to jot things down is just so valuable because like if you have like a rotten training session, you know, or you feel like it's rotten in your perspective, in my perspective, it would feel, you know, kind of like a fail. Um, But then to be able to look back at the journal and go, oh, but look, you know, but this happened here. And I think on our last call, I actually went back in my journal. and I was like, oh, yeah this happened. This was really great. Or, Oh, she did this. And Oh yeah, this was a really great moment. Um, so it's just really great to be able to talk to you, talk to other people. I love the accountability of, you know, having to do those videos. Uh, it's so beneficial, you know, it's beneficial in so many ways, but, you know, you are so solid on, I'm going to be looking at these videos at 12 (laughs) o'clock. No, if I tell you I'm going to show up for you, I'm going to every single week, no matter what. 
And just to give everyone a little bit more insight, we mail out journals, right? Because we love for you to have like something physical, even though we work together virtually. And the journal is so that you can keep track, right? Like every day, every outing, what was a win? What was a challenge? And you know, it's like, it's too easy to gloss over the wins. And that's why we send those journals because it's like you write them down and then you're like, oh, dang, okay, this was really good, right? And I think that we all need that extra incentive because let's be honest, being a reactive dog guardian is hard sometimes, you know? And it's like when you could be like, well, every training session was garbage. Like, no, it wasn't. Tell me what your training journal says. And you're like, wait a minute, we did have some wins. And then it's just like, it's just that like lightness that we need to like have just that energy boost to be like, okay, we got to keep going. We There's more that we can do. There's more successes. There's more wins that we can have. And it's never a straight line. That's not the way that it works, right? And that's why we always yeah. hold space, right? For those challenging weeks and when like things are hard and they're not how we want them to be. But, you know, I think that we've we've cultivated an environment where we know the <laughs> we know the realities of living with reactive dogs, but we don't feel sorry for you. <laughs> right? Like we know it's hard and I get it, but also like, okay, what was a win and what are you working on this week? So let's go. <laughs> right. right. Oh, there's my dogs. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So Tommy, if you were to give one piece of advice to a reactive dog guardian listening, what would you tell them? They don't yeah. want to start their day with the dog they love so much, but is so stressful. Um, getting support, you know, having that, um, having a reactive dog impacts your life in so many ways. Um, but getting support, you know, of people that are experienced, people that have been there, people that are there is just so important. You know, um, like I said too, you know, like as a professional trainer myself and as a teacher of children, you know, there's things that when you're working, when you're working with your dog, you know, there's things that you do that you're not even aware of, like until somebody else says, Hey, how about you shorten up your leash? <laughs> right? Um, or how about you, you know, do this or do that? So having somebody to coach is just so it's just so valuable. Right. And, and you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know everything. No. It's okay, right? Like we all get support, right? I get support from trainers for my dogs too. We all need that support, right? And yeah. I think sometimes it's too easy just to be like, nope, there's nothing we can do, right? I've done all this training. We've hit this wall. And it's like, there's always a way over the wall. I promise. Yeah, there is. There's always a way over yeah. the wall if you can commit to putting the time and energy in. Right. It really is. And doing the videos, that was challenging for me because I didn't... um You know, I always set up a tripod, getting somebody to work with me was a challenge. You know, I was able to recruit my husband once in a while. Um, I think I recruited my son once or twice, you know, so that can be challenging, but it's not, it's, you know, you can't use that as an excuse. (laughs) You've got to, there's a way, there's a way around it. You know, I set up the X-Pen with Howie and the X-Pen, you know, and on a tether with Betsy in the backyard or, you know, setting them up in the front yard or, you know, you can, 
it was just really important to me. It was really important to me to get over this hump, you know, because I was stuck. And reactive redefined has really helped me. You have helped me just get over that hump. And being able to look at videos and talk to you about it is, you know, that's so good for everybody. That is just... Oh my God. It has been a damn delight. She is lucky to have you. <laughs> I love her so much. Oh my God. She okay. So tell so me fish. if people want to connect with you, do you want to give them your Instagram handle, your business name just so they can find you? Oh yeah. So, um, right now my Instagram is still just under my personal account. It's Tommy teach train. So it's T O M I teach train because I'm a teacher and a trainer. Perfect. I do both. Um, and I do have a website that is kind of partially up. It's, um, what is it? Tommydog.pro. It's perfect. <laughs> okay. And we'll make sure yeah. we have a link for that in the show notes so people can connect awesome. with you. And then those of you who are in um, New Mexico and Albuquerque area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tommy offers in-person training, right? So I do have it. Oh my God. Thank you so much yes, for I joining do. me. You are awesome. I love working with you. you the feeling no is mutual. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at a goodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at a goodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.